This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, welcome everyone. Um, no one came to hear me, so I'll be brief. Um, so Lapiansky is obviously an enormous Chachem and a prolific author. But more than that, I think when you read him, and you'll see after today, he's an incredibly thoughtful person, and incredibly broad. And when you ask him a question, hopefully you'll see this today, the sense you get is it's not the first time he's gotten that question, it's not the first time that he's answered that question. And I mean it in the best possible way. Um, he's above time and space, not, not like the spot Kabbalah type of above time and space. But, like, he, he lives in America, but if you ask him a question about where we are, I think, I think he's comfortable talking about it. I think th- there's no issue, there's no question that's beyond him. And so it's really, really an amazing hook that we get to hear from Bobianski every year. And we're grateful to him and the public God. Good afternoon. Um, my wife also says I'm above space and time, but it doesn't sound quite as complimentary as when you say it. It's, it's, I think the word you use is spaced out, so I'm, I'm not sure if it means the same, but it's, I'll confine him, uh, it's nice to hear it in a, in a very positive tone of voice. Um, maybe we'll start, I, I wanted to say uh, a thought, something on the parasha that I think is, um, it, it, it's an important foundation in our approach to Torah, and then maybe we'll, we'll discuss, we'll talk about things. Um, the Chazal point out the, the structure of the parishes. You have a parasha of Yisro with the Dayanim and Shofet and so on. The, Shofet, the whole parasha of, of Amish Potim, the Kaparsha. You have Matan Torah. And then you have Mishpatim again. Especially if that first parasha is, was put in it really asks the question, in other words, it's chronologically out of order, um, it really raises the question of why. So Chazal say a mushal. It's like a melech that's going, Zion lefanim v'zayin la'achat. Zion meaning armed God, like Moshe Kalei Zion. Um, it, so a king, when he walks, he has an armed God in front, and an armed God in back. You have the Torah, you have Mishpatim before and Mishpatim afterwards. That's what Chazal described. It doesn't... A marshal has to add some understanding. I mean, what exactly are Chazal trying to tell us? What exactly is in the marshal? So, I, I, I would, first of all, want to correct something misleading in the marshal that I think it needs to be corrected. People picture it as a unit, like an army unit that's moving, and you have in the front uh, weapons and somebody in the back weapons, like you have a secret service detail. I don't think that's what Chazal are referring to. What they're referring to is you have a king, before he can enter a country, needs to have an armed forces to conquer it, so the armed forces come first. When they win, the king comes in. He issues all sorts of edicts and promulgations and things like that. When he leaves, he leaves behind an army detail to enforce what it is that he, that he en- en- enacted. So we're not talking about the, the technical movement of the king with the front guard and back guard. We're talking about a chronological order. You have the conquering army, you have the king, and you have the upkeep, the the army that keeps up the the government and so on. That's the marshal. What is the nimshal? So I think Chazal here are dealing with the concept of what we would call mundane halacha or civil law. So, Torah consists of laws that have to do with 
divine interaction, what we would call chukim. Locha has to do with things that we w- that deal with civil interaction, not different than any civilized society that has a system of laws and norms to to regulate behavior. So Chazal are telling us the role of that type of mishpat has two functions in the picture of Yiddishkeit. One function is Derech Eretz Kodmolotov. says in Chazal, Medrash and Breshis, that Derech Eretz Kodmolotov 26 doros, and it takes it from the Pasuk Derech Eitzachayim, and then, and then moves it on to Tolmatan Torah's 26 doros. What it means is, for instance, the Kuzari, when he speaks about Yiddishkeit, he explains that our first approach to the divine is through Seichel. A person opens his eyes. He feels, forget about nature and its wonders, but there's a sense of right and wrong, morality, goodness, kindness, evil, cruelty. These are things that a human being with a normal conscience feels it. And that's the gateway to a, a deeper religion. And therefore, the Kuzari speaks about Avram Avinu beginning the process of human intuition, understanding right and wrong, until it brings him to a point of Akadosh um, Baruch The Rambam in, um, in, in Mishnah Torah, in Hilchavod Zorah, where he speaks about Avram's progression until the point at which Akadosh Baruch revealed himself. That progression was not only just the the, the technical wonders of science, it was the morality. Deep inside a person's intuitive sense, good and bad are very, very powerful emotions. More than emotions, I don't know what to call it. Rabbeinu Bechaya says that the reason why Stone was held accountable for not giving Tzedakah was, even though he said they weren't commanded, but to watch your fellow man die of hunger in the street is a basic human nature to do something. And if you don't have it, you're not human. Stone and Amora didn't have Derech Eretz, which means the basic um, natural sense of morality. And therefore, they were subhuman. Once we, so, so the God in front, the God that conquers, when we ask a person, um, give of your physical self, discipline yourself, deny yourself, push yourself, it's founded on that there's something in a sense of us that, yes, I want to be good, I'm a good person. And then Akarish Baruch Hu is Megala himself. And we begin to understand morality and goodness in its full scope. <coughs> now, when the king leaves, so to speak, we have an entirely different perspective on all of those, um, all of those laws that seem to us to be humanistic. They, they, they just come from our sense of things. We understand that everything that we sense as being good and bad come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They draw from a much deeper well the commandments of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man but Salmu but Musa, he endowed him with an inner sense of morality upon which Torah will eventually rest. So the same laws we were following before the king came, we, and that served to, so to speak, conquer ourselves and make it into a, um, a place where Torah could rest on, gives meaning anew to the Torah that Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us. So it's an incredible cycle. 
our innate sense of good leads us to saying, where is it coming from? What's its root? And when I hit that, and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like the Chazal said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself and said, Ani, to Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, it's me. I now follow these laws with a much deeper sense and understanding where it's coming from. That, I think, is what Chazal are trying to convey in that mashal of a melech and zayin lefanzechav. At first glance, you have to conquer the person. The physical person is an animal. He wants to eat, drink, satisfy his own cravings, and not care. But something inside a person begins to eat up the person. That's not me. There's more to me. What about the other person? What about kindness? What about discipline? What, what about many other things? What about truth? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the Torah, it also puts everything else into perspective that it's all coming from a much deeper place. That's what Chazal, I think, were trying to, to um, tell us this muscle and it. And it, it, it's something which helps us understand the relationship between our natural sense of Tov and Ra and the divine nature of Torah as we have. That was, that was a thought I wanted to share on this part and I felt was something that, that is, is a very important Nakuda. I guess we always, I've always been uh, enlightened by people's questions uh, and uh, you know, interactions, so if, I don't know the. Yes. Um, so I was wondering if you had any observations, things you noticed, things that were interesting you were surprising about the way that uh, the world that maybe aligns with your Ashkafa or Ashkafa of Yeshiva, Yeshiva Greater Washington, the way that that world reacted to what happened on Simplest Torah, um, if any, the way that they reacted or the way that your community reacted. Um, there is there anything interesting about that? Do you think that you notice? So, I, I hate to be a spokesman for other people, and I could just share some feelings. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, um, I, I would say, I guess, well, in a very broad, in a broad sense, we'll, we'll call it Haredi. You know, again, I, I don't like to use titles because no one, no one has appointed me spokesman of any place. And I certainly don't get paid a salary, so I, I, I don't uh, speak for anybody. But I'd like to I'd like to share something I think is is at heart of a certain perspective. There, we wrestle, everyone wrestles with the questions of um, doing things kederach hateva, derech or derech not in the sense we spoke about it before, but derech in the sense of doing things that are naturally helpful to bitachon, filler, etc. And we, everyone has to reconcile the two in some way. In other words, our reaction to an event is um, first and foremost what, why did, what caused it and, why do, and how do we fix it? And yes, of course we need to daven. To versus why did Hashem do this and what do we have to do to fix it? And yes, we also have to do something practical. Th- that's always two poles of bitachen versus ishtablos that every person personally has to face. So an event like this, I think, triggers, for instance, in some places, the reaction might be, we never should have given back yamit and so on. Um, we can't trust the heirs for anything. Um, you know, a lot of a whole range. Or I'm sure somebody said we should have given more. Uh, you know, that's that's a whole group of reactions on one side versus why they shouldn't do it, why Torah, what does it mean, and so on. So I, I think the tendency of my world is to sort of first and foremost, ask ourselves, Loma Hashem, why was it for us, what, what do we need to sack in, and so on. I, I think it's, that's sort of, if I were to categorize something, 
that's always sort of the impulse is what do we need to do and in a po- as sort of more in terms of a framework of vis-a-vis um, the practical part of it what needs to be done and what could be done and so on I, I would say and like always both of these are um, there's no easy answer at any point but I'm saying, if you're asking me, a tendency is when an event like it happens, the first thing is, you know, ma'as Hashem, why, and what do we need to do, and whatever, and what chizuk you make, and so on. That, that's a, that's an attitude that is natural. And um, if a person comes and says he doesn't have parnasa, so the first attitude is, are you giving my some money? It, it's just an approach, and, and both. Obviously, we, we need to do ishtadus. We need to have bitachin. It's always a question of how to play the different parts. I was once, um, I have back problems and so and so. I was once actually at Israel, I was by a physical therapist. I, I, it acted up terribly. So I went to a physical therapist. This person was abreast of a chassid. So after he pushed and pulled and whatever he did, he said, I notice it's your right thigh that caused the problems. I'll pick Kabbalah with thought that that's connected this and this. Therefore, it might be tr- worth trying to give a little more stucker. You know, it's kind of interesting. It was, a, it was different than what I'm used to. But, um, I, I, but yeah, I said to myself, you know, it's interesting. Here's a person that sees things in a different way. So, if you're asking me in a broad stroke, I think that might be a, a way I would categorize. Yes? Um, how did learning under Gedolin, like Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, and Nachum Parkovitz, and Moshe Shapiro, influenced the Rosh Hashiva's um, Ashkafa and the various projects that the Rosh Hashiva undertook over the years? Um, and also, can I ask, is it okay if I ask the second question? I'm fine with it. Um, and if one is looking to begin learning the Sifri Machshava with the Maharal, which Sefer would the Rosh Hashiva recommend they start out with? Well, <laughs> um, so first of all, I think the reason why he asked that first question is because Hong Kong is the closest place to Shanghai. <laughs> and that's where the Mi Yeshiva was. So he has a natural affinity for Mi Yeshiva. It's a geographical type of, of, of uh, Kesha. So it's good. They used to, in the mid, it was a point of pride of Shanghai. He's from the Shanghai. So uh, it, it, it's some, it, I, I just want to, maybe I'll just pause a second to talk about it. I, 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 up, I don't think people understand the Nisim that happened. I, I just want to elaborate about this. The world was horrid, and the, there was no terror. Europe was going down. Europe was deteriorating religiously, except for Hungary, maybe. Hungary was the only one that was escaping. And Israel had nothing yet. America was going downhill, and European Jewry was doomed. Akash Baruch Hu created Israel a nace. And there's no other way to look at it. You can, you can again, you can, I'm, that sheet is in all directions. It, it was certainly an, an, an unnatural, unexpected, no matter what anyone says. On the other hand, there was another event that happened that was as critical in saving Kali Yisrael. The Mir Yeshiva, which was the biggest Yeshiva, was trapped in Europe. Their escape needed a dozen miracles, none of which made sense. They got fake passports, to a fake country, from a fake consul. It was like incredible. The story somebody could read about one of the great things. These are the people that when they finally, after eight years, came to America and Israel, rebuilt Torah. The great Rosh Hashivas were all from there, one way or another. Three quarters of the staff at the university, Salvation had come before. Um, most everyone else escaped through that. It, it was an incredible... A moment that took a bubble of people. And it's something to read about. I don't want to elaborate. Um, I think um, seeing all the lessons in the world and all the drushes and all the preaching does not do what seeing a person who is that is. The greatness of the people, the fact that they were Kulay Seichel, Kulay Taira, Kulay Das, they were really were that. Nobody preached us to sit and learn. Reb Nachum sat and learned at one thirty at night. You would see him falling asleep in his house in Mar, and you could knock on the door and come in and speak and learning any time. Um, Reb Chaim's emotions and sense of things—I well, don't remember him really 
learning, he was already not well, you know, in words, he, he said Shaklonis, but he didn't have that asmata he had. So, so all of these things um, were really incredible. They, they had a hashpah, and that's why the most important thing, wherever you're learning, whenever you're learning, is to look for people that are unusual. People that, that have that stature, because a living model is worth more than all the words in books and in speeches and so on. So really, living it was an incredible experience. I, I don't have time to read all, all uh, stories, but it's more than any particular story. It was something about <coughs> the people. Their life really was Torah, and, and that was something incredible. The, um, as far as the morale firm go, the, it, it, it's, it's a hard world to break into because he has a certain terminology, certain ideas, Hearing it from someone live is always a good beginning, just to get a sense of it. But my person, the safer that I personally connect to what I thought was also the Ferris Israel, Amat and Torah, Gvuris Hashem is probably the most famous one. But they all use, most of the firm use a similar vocabulary. And it's a certain set of ideas that you just have to become used to and understand them. <coughs> and then, then the other firm fall into place. So it's hard, hearing it, it's like Rav Chaim al-Arambam. If you never heard it from somebody, you'd have a hard time struggling with it and getting it down yourself. So morale is similar to that. Yeah? Um, we often discuss, particularly in times like this, come to Torah for the sake of others. Um, and we're learning this chutzpah. How does the Rosh Hashimah see that operating? Is that in sort of a metaphysical, Kabbalistic sense, or is it a form of thriller? Or something else? So I would say in it's it's the fa- very fact that people are together and doing schusim for each other is something that it obviously it's obviously not physical. At the end of the day, nobody shoots better because somebody's sitting and learning bar it's, it's all metaphysical to some degree. But the point is, it, it's a certain we 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 understand that the big picture, however we'll understand it, is it's a, it's a shas of Haronaf, it's a shahs of Hestapanim. In the big picture, we're meant to, to move closer because of it, and if people pick up the slack and do it, it's a schuss. I, 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 I personally don't like when it becomes more specific than that. It's a general thing. We know that a churm of this nature is, is a hestaponim, a terrastaponim. We know that hestaponim is a sign the Kaisal needs to move back and, and, and come closer. And this is what I can do sitting here. So it's, it's, that's the, the general feel. Oh, wait, some other. Yes? Why does it sometimes seem that the hours are presented in, in negative light and so on? So it's, it's a good point, and let's talk a little bit about this. First of all, I, I don't like using the word proofs, but it's always good to see something. Um, you'll never find, when you pick up a religious work of any other religion, you will know exactly who the hero is. The hero does no wrong, whether it's J in the New Testament, whether it's M in the Koran, whoever it is, he's always a tzaddik The only safer in the world, that doesn't spare criticism, who wrote it? Who would write a safe like that on himself? Who, who's the hero? Because I'll say four people do have various. Look for Yishai. Look, you know, look for, for Look at the four people that do have various. They don't. They're not the heroes. So Balkarchok, the Torah is written with a very sharp um, and with with with, with emes of a Just like we need Torah Shabbat Peh to teach us that Ayin Tachayim does not mean an eye for an eye, not in the literal sense, and every other halacha 
that we learn. And Achbayom Rishon Tashpisu does not mean to burn chametz on the first day of Pesach, but Erev Pesach. If a person keeps Torah of Eksav, halachically, he's, 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 he's an Avarian. You, 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 if he gives 40 Malkus, he's doing an Avera. So, we understand that Torah is the combination of two. Chazal helped us understand the stories. In other words, what was going on, and why is it written like that? What's the point that the Torah is trying to make? So we need to have stereo vision. We need to be able to see it with both. And we need to understand, let's give an example. When you have, anyone's taking math, you have exponents, and it creates wild numbers, you can have logarithms where what you're doing is taking that and making it to multiple instead of an exponent, and you can work with it. And it becomes easier to work with it. Instead of writing in the Torah all the titles of Hagarina, Godla, Neuer, Ba'oyim, Barkadosh, and so on, the Torah deals with Avram in a pure abstract way. What are his Maisim? What are his Midis? And so on. So we need to understand that the full dimension of it is with Torah Shabbat Peh together, giving us a sense of it. We also need to ask ourselves, Avram Avinu lived a very long life, 175 years. How many stories of them are there? Ten stories, twelve stories. Every single story carries in itself a tremendous amount of information. And therefore, that information we need to, um, to learn, to chew over, the way we would chew over something in Allah. I think that's a reason, that's a way to understand it. Somebody here has never his hand is going to fall. Yeah. The Haredi what? Sorry? Okay, so a few points. First of all, I want to be restrained a bit because I'm not sure to be Osik in a sugya, you know, when there's so much blood and so much, so much difficulty. Uh, it's something... But it shouldn't be... It's not October 7th only. It's 73. It's 67, 53, 48. We've been fighting wars, Shalma Galil. We've been fighting wars, and the question is the question should be dealt with um, in the big picture. Why is it that, that, that they choose... October 7th is now, but there's been a lot of nows. And, and, and it's an issue I would be happy to... I don't feel comfortable discussing something like that now. I think there's blood spilling now. There is, there's, it's, it's, it's a very difficult time. I would... If, if, if you'll be back next year, Mr. Sherman, things will be peaceful and tranquil. We can talk about it. And, and understand what the side is, why a community built itself in a certain way, and so on. You know, I, I, I think there's some things, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about anything about that. So, yeah. Okay, so let's bring it to So, do you think that uh, learning Gemara Bihian improves one's character, and if so, specifically how? So, first of all, um, there is a certain, in, in science, we, we look at experiments. In, in the big picture, again, every single person is different. People who work and are male and Torah tend to improve their character a lot. The reasons for that, and again, there are exceptions in both directions. Um, it, it, what, it, what applies as a cloud certainly can't say, well, if he learns, he must be that. He doesn't must be that. And if this person doesn't learn, he can't be that. It's not must and can't, but it does. And I want to explain reasons why. In other words, he's making a point that sounds right. If I'm learning, what Mishach are you learning now? Babakama. So maybe I learned it to Ian Goddle. Maybe my axe is not going to gore anybody, but there are a lot of other areas you can do without the axe goring somebody else. So where does it improve a person? So, so the morale says the first thing is learning is an exercise in sikhlius, which is the most ruchnistic part of a person. 
I learned to take a break from my physical wants, desires, cravings, impatience, and delve into a world that's seichel and das. One. Two. The, what I'm learning is a subconscious message that if I learn with the minimum amount of seriousness is I'm obligated to follow a certain code of behavior. And my job is only to determine what is that and, 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 and how to do it. And that's right. And therefore, um, it, it sets a certain frame of mind. It, you'll take somebody who is an armobatorial. Even if it's to hard to do something wrong, you tell him it says you're not allowed to do it, he, he's going to have a problem. He might find a way to detour, but he's going to have to detour. It sets a certain impression again and again and again on a person. Right and wrong, can't do it, should do it, and, and so on. And it creates that. It, it, it creates a certain general refinement of care. There are plenty of exceptions in the sense the Goyen says if you have a deeply rooted media, it's not going to come out, it'll get worse. But it has, in, in the big picture... It, it, it shapes a person's mindset and understanding that there's a right and wrong, and, and I have to do what's right. So that is something which I think is very important. I want to add another point, and I think going forward it's an important way to understand the opposite of being Ma'ayin Gemara is to learn Musa, philosophy, Jewish, I'm talking about Yiddish philosophy and so on and so forth. I want to explain the, 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 the importance of how it shapes a person differently. There are two broad types of chachma. We'll call it science and liberal arts, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. And the difference is one starts with facts and develops ideas around the facts. So a scientist who's just a technician and he marks down the observations is not a big scientist. A big scientist is somebody who observes a lot of phenomena and builds a picture that they present. That's one person. A philosopher lives in the world of ideas and beauty and then tags on Asha Alkane in other words, and therefore we should act this way, that way, the other way. The Greek philosophers, or someone like Plato, he built his idea of how well a republic should be run, not by studying republics and countries and common conclusions, but by putting down a set of logic, logical, so to speak, axioms, and then sketching out a country, how it should work, and so on. Yiddishkeit can come with those same two approaches. I learn halacha, this, 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 this. And then I try to give it a bigger picture, to give it a Ruach HaChayim. Um, and that's where the philosophy comes in, or the Machshava, or, or the, or the Dveikos, however you want to call it. Versus, I paint a beautiful picture of a, a Yiddishkeit, and then I try to fit my mice into it. The problem is that in that second approach, where I start with the philosophy, I inevitably corrupt corners. Let's give a marshal. I'll take a, a bit of extreme marshal. If I start Shabbos by learning Hoch Shabbos, it's difficult. Some people find it dreary. Some people find it boring. Detail-oriented. So I can start with the philosophy. The beauty of taking a break from mundane activities. The beauty of the family together. The Shabbos table. The Zaydi, the Bubby, the benching the kids. And we have activities that we enforce them. So what do I do if I have a grandfather who can't walk, lives far away, and the only way for him to be part of it on Shabbos is to drive him in? If not, he's going to spend Shabbos looking at the four walls. Is that Shabbos? Um, I, 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 um, Shabbos brings tranquility, but my, my, my father's in the hospital now, and any minute the, the phone's going to ring, and again, we're talking about where Pekuch Nefesh is not allowed. I don't have tranquility. Somebody, there was somebody who kind of and I know, I think the person has emotional problems, but began like, 
Hashem loves me so much, He can't want me not to be happy. Especially on Shabbos. And, and so there's a certain, there's a certain, so just like a scientist that starts with facts and builds a philosophy around it is going to be a lot more um, sure of what he's saying than the person who has sweeping ideas and then fits in. Learning the Eon Seth gives a mindset. It's not this rabbi said this. This rabbi has a liberal approach. This rabbi has a conservative approach. This rabbi has a masochist approach. This rabbi has a sadist approach. Everyone, everyone's got their approaches. When you learn halach bein, at the end of the day, it's got to it's 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 got to add up, and and I have to be emis with the with the Rabbi Weisberg used to say halacha is is an abstract thing. I'm not thinking about my pot and pan. I'm, I'm thinking about pasuk v'chalom. So it allows you to to shape. The, the idea to the reality rather than to try to take reality and shape it to the idea. That's why I think learning the Eon is, is a very important part of, of developing a, as, as a Yid. Yeah. Non-tuition paying members, I'm not sure get a... Get a yeah. <laughs> Are you a non person? <laughs> so, I, let's, let's... No. <laughs> So, so let, let's somebody who there's somebody who speaks about this. Not today, not yesterday, many days ago. Kuzari has an incredible, beautiful piece that should be mandatory um, learning about Yom Tovim. <coughs> the first thing is in general the Sefer and the Kuzari repeats of many times. The Kuzari is, is a dialogue between the Melech HaKuzarim, who is coming to, who is grappling with Yiddishkeit, and the Chavar, who is trying to teach him, and so on. And a, a recurring theme again and again is, well, if you guys are as holy as you meant to be, as you claim to be, why don't you sit in caves and meditate all day and, and you know, hush away the world, and so on. And the Kuzari repeats again, in different, the Chavar repeats in different ways, that the Torah is teaching us how to use each part of our personality appropriately. <coughs> Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us has in itself a way to do it right and wrong. Eating is a human, it, 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 I'm going to say more than a need. It's a human activity that's going to be right and wrong. Family life is a human activity that will be right and wrong. Of human emotions, each one goes into being a balanced person. A person who's never serious, thoughtful, and pensive is frivolous. A person who's always thoughtful, pensive, serious is morose. He's depressed. Having the balance and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us mitzvahs to express it. But the point that he makes is, he says, Yom Tovim express simcha. But he says, the condition is that the simcha is a product of thought. If I come over to somebody and say, you look so sad, let's be the simcha. Somebody said, I'll, a non-politically correct joke, said there's nothing more depressing than to see the press breast of the tribe be besimcha. In other words, what does it mean I'm going to be besimcha? I'm not. The, 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 the bank is foreclosed with mortgage, my wife and the kids have left, and they're shooting, and they're shooting missiles. So let's be besimcha. That's another way of saying let's drink and decapitate ourselves. So being besimcha has to come from machshava. It has to come from a deep sense. If I woke up this morning... People say, oh, Hasid, this is the very typical, superficial presentation of Hasidus by, by, by non-Hasidim. The Baal Shem Tov saw that the rabbis were very tough and cruel. They said a lot of difficult Muslim people were down and depressed. Baal Shem said, it's not the right way to do it. Drink a lachayim and be the simcha. That's a way of saying, of taking, it's like saying, take marijuana. You'll forget your troubles. Of course you'll forget your troubles. You'll be, you'll, you'll be gone. It, 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 it's, it's, you're floating away from reality. <coughs> What the Balsamtov said was, I wake up in the morning, before all my tsaras. What does it mean I woke up this morning? <laughs> the Rabbi Shalom said, 
Yankov is worthy of life because he has what to accomplish and he can accomplish. And I believe he can accomplish. That's what he starts his day with. So, my first one that Khashbrahu said, you have a tough day ahead, but I believe in you. And, and, and you can accomplish worlds. That's the reason to be Basimcha. The, 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 the Kuzari says, on Yantiv, do you know what your Simcha is? Nikresa le Shulchan We don't have Yantayim anymore the way we used to have them. Yantayim was three times a year, we went up for It means we got, I would say, a letter, a telegram, email, text from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A week before Yantiv, Yanko, I'm looking forward to seeing you at my table. That's what it is. It, is, there a, is, there not, is, there, is there no greater source of joy than that? If a person were to understand that, so of course Simcha is, is, is very important in Yiddish Kaif. But, but the Simcha has to come from, from an understanding of why it's so good. I want to share a story that someone shared with me just a, a, few, a few months ago, Ashkafa. At Vesni Shiva on, on Tisha by Azal Levanin, I usually speak about somebody, uh, a god who survived the Holocaust, was killed in the Holocaust, what they did, and what they thought, you know, things of that nature. Uh, two years ago, I spoke about the Yidin who were in Russia when communism took over, and, and especially the Rabbanim and Klay Kodesh, most of Chabad, big part of them, Chabad, was slaughtered. And many of them, with tremendous Kiddush Hashem, died they, they, till the last moment. Incredible stories. One of the people who survived and was an incredible person was Rehmata Lipschitz. He was a Chabadnik, and Rehmata the Sheikhet, they used to call him, he was a Sheikhet Nemayot. And he was a Sheikhet Nemayot, and the Rebbe wouldn't let him leave until the Iron Curtain came down. And then he, under, he lived in Brooklyn the last few years of life. He was a Zuckin, and he lived out of his life, a few years of life in Kern Heights. His story is incredible. He wrote it up. It's in, it's in Yiddish. I, I may have chosen it, but I don't know, but it's in Yiddish. And he was sentenced to the worst labor camp, to the most difficult labor camp in Siberia. It was called Klimya. It was furthest north. It was minus 40, minus 50. And even hardened gangsters, when they heard they were being sent to Klimia, they would, they would commit suicide. That's how terrible it was. And he survived. Um, and, a few, and I spoke about his story, whatever I read, and so on. It was, it was very, it was extremely powerful and uplifting. A few months ago, I was in Farakri, my son, Darche, and someone comes over to me and sees a Rebbe in Darche, and He's a grandson of Ramat Lifshitz. And I said, tell me something. I need to hear something. I, I was so inspired. Tell me something. He's not a Chabadnik. He's um, right there. He said, we asked our grandfather, Zayda, how did you survive? And he said, with a niggin. And we asked him, what niggin could you have sung to survive? And he said, Ashrenu matov chalkenu manon gerleinu. And I want to explain it. I didn't hear it explain. Explain my explanation. <coughs> when you look around and you see the animals that communism was a beautiful, enlightened movement to bring goodness to the world. And when you look around and you see the Balachayim that are considered, that, that, that's who they are. And I'm a Yid. And I'm giving every drop I have for Kedusha's Mila, for Shechita, for Talmud Torah, I'm fortunate. Ashreinu, atov chokeinu. I once heard from Rav Shach, he once said, in Europe he said, the Paritz was, was the head of the state. In, in, in the earlier hundreds it was uh, more done. He said he was a crazy dictator. But we looked at him as a mad dog. So a dog with rabies could kill you, but you don't feel inferior, because that's what you see it. So yes, Simcha is very important. But understanding what was a mayor, Ashrenu, what we have, no one else has. The self-discipline, the awareness, the motivation to do what's right, the sacrifice, and, 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 and that should be Maile Simcha. Yes. So, in Yeshiva, I was always, we, we instituted, I don't know, in other Yeshivas, I think they have it. Shavuos night, 
quarter of an hour before Shachris, when we finish the long Seder, we have a Rikud. And I told them, you know, it's it's very nice, we sing and dance, but it's been a week since I stick with other mitzvahs other than Tamatera. But Shavuos night, we've been learning all night long. And, and a person should express it. Ashreinu, where else do college kids your age spend five hours sober sitting and poring over their books and learning about what are my responsibilities to another person? Baba Kama. I own stuff, but I'm responsible for it. And, and how much achrayis do I have? And the difference of opinions. What's the right thing to do? A person should feel that. That's what, that's, yes, that simple is, is incredibly important. Uh, as the Rosh Hashiva suggests that we balance inspiration and a general hasmada, just doing things because we do that. Um, so, so I would say, inspir- it, I, it, I would give a muscle to an engine in a car. In other words, the tachlis of inspiration is that these things become natural to us. Every person, when he first discovers learning seriously, does it through inspiration. Hopefully it becomes second nature. So one of them is a way to do it. And then I move forward. So a person who does, let's take one chesed a day because he's inspired to help somebody, once it becomes natural, now I look for inspiration to move to two chesed a day, or three chesed so inspiration is always the the acceleration, and then I want to flow in with with with, with the traffic with the. With yeah. Does the Rosh Hashiva think there is any there are any main reasons why Jews are off the darach nowadays, and if there's anything we could do to prevent it? He's speaking about people off the darach. If there's a reason why. That so many people are going off the derech, and if anything, we could prevent it. That was that was the question. So it's 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 a it's a very challenging. And, and I grew up in a world where nobody was becoming more from, everybody was becoming less from. The Orthodox schools were on the way to become conservative. In the high school I went to, which was a big high school, there was the the question was how many would remain from afterwards, not how many became from. That that was it, that was a norm and. A nice niggle happened, and things turned around. And, Baruch Hashem. The question is, I believe, it just a, a, a bigger perspective in particular, is you can never take Ruchnis for granted. The Ezekiel says, it says, Your pathway is in great waters, and your footsteps are not recognized. So he says, when you're traveling on a road, you can close your eyes, basically, or you can text, and you can keep going, and you'll probably stay on the road. If you're in a forest following somebody or something, it's harder, but you can keep looking for telltale signs, you know, branches that are broken, footsteps, rocks that have been dislodged, and so on. But when you're in an ocean, you have to chart the course every minute away. You can't have the different... Um, you, you can't just go with the flow. I think we should never think that we can create a frumkite that's on autopilot. The challenge of my generation is not the challenge of next generation, not the challenge of the other generations. And we have to ask ourselves, how do we deal with it? Um, it's, it affects the Haredi community, affects Manoso community, affects affects everybody. And part of it is because we, we, we don't understand how that's happening. There, there are specific reasons that I think deal each community, but what I would like to say, I guess, in, in regards to the Olam here, these year or two or three that you're spending in a Mokram Torah like this is hopefully what, what it means until now you've been doing what you're told to do. You grew up in a firm environment, everybody went to shul, everybody more or less did this, and you sort of go with the flow. You're in an environment where you have to find yourself, where you have to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. I need to emotionally connect the feeling of 
Kedusha and Tov when I exert myself and do what's right and start your pathway. So in other words, it's not something which is um, autopilot for you. The, the autopilot Judaism never lasts. You know, it's like a car. If, if there's no gas coming in, if the road is smooth, the car will go a bit longer, but it's not going to, it, 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 will, it will stop. So this, this, these years are incredibly important years because you've been raised from, I assume, the most vast majority of people here. You've gone to from schools, the vast majority of people. But there's a certain level of, you've been going on someone else's steam. And this is, this is the opportunity where you create yourself. And, and it's an incredible opportunity. And, and I think that that's the best guarantee against running out of steam and so on. Thank you. Yes. What is Rabbi think are the biggest challenges of our generation? So I would say a certain sense of ease. Very few things do we sweat for and work for. Um, I, I, the type of stories I'm not talking about Jewish stories I'm talking about kind of the secular normal stories was so I worked all summer long delivering newspapers so that I had money to buy a bike people would first thing is they would arrest the parents for cruelty for underage working for denying a bicycle to a child and many other serious charges um, of course it, it, the question is only so which card should I give them that, that's a, the idea of Yigiyah Kapecha Kisochal, the idea, and in Ruchnius, it's a delicate balance. It used to be where you were put down in school a lot. You dummy, you never understand anything. That's not productive. It doesn't help anybody. But on the other hand, everyone is equally right. Is also something where measuring a person by how much effort they've exerted and how much they've accomplished is really a key to being able to make um, earning and and yigia, and yigia to be important. My very Rebbe Nachman Zuchayin of Rachel was an incredible genius. He was always available to speak to and learning. But his feedback was tailored to the person. If he saw somebody with very average kishonos who came up with something not terribly glamorous, but it really worked hard to get to a certain point. He was very much shabbat and say, ah, that touches it exactly. I see where you're coming from and this and that. If somebody very bright took something out of his back pocket, even if it was good, he would say, nah. He would say, like, that's off the cuff. I, I, I don't hear that you got to the point. It, it was very, he would, he would very much subtly give feedback based on where it's coming from. And that was something that was so being able to um, being able to measure ourselves on yigia and things like that, that I think is very important. And again, I can't. You know, I hate one one problem doesn't fit all, and one cure doesn't cure all. But if I if I feel this is something that that is true across the board, I, I believe this is something that is is an issue. Yeah. What do you, when does I have to go do Yagiya in the base measures? I, I don't want to take away from the Yagiya, so what time frame? I, what, what, where, what, do we have a time frame or? What, what's the. How long, how long is <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, let's say that. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. Okay, yeah. So. Uh, what's the definition of Yagiya as a you're from France? Where are you from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, no, it's from, the, from the depth of the question, from the intelligence question, I, could, I mean the sense of French. Nothing to do with the accent. The, um, so there's a general sense Akadosh um, Baruch who created the world in segments. In other words, it's not just people have to be born. It, just, it, it started with a shorash, and it keeps going into branches and sub-branches and sub-branches. The klal is always, the closer you are to the root, the more it encompasses. The root of the tree encompasses the entire tree. 
each branch encompasses only its branches. Each twig encompasses only the leaves on it. So there's a certain binion of the dairis where there's a shorish, and then there is a, a branches and so on. So our job is at a smaller place. It's not less important. It's not less significant. But it's something that is in a... In a it, it occupies a smaller makom. And therefore there's a general sense that we assume the, bigger, the other doors were bigger. In halacha we have clear boundaries. Tanoim amaroyim, asumishonim. So it's a general sense of how things are flowing. That's the most I could say. Yeah. One second. Well, let's, yeah. Don't say that Solo Spring people are... are yeah. Uh, how did Rosh Hashiva think... Uh, Rosh Hashiva talked earlier about the... the uh, we have our moral basis and the Torah is built on top of that. How does Rosh Hashiva think we should react when the Torah seems to conflicts uh, with our moral basis? Very good question. Um, so, one of the, the um, principles of Amuna, one of the Ramam's Yud Gimel Ikrim, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Kadmon. And he learns it from a Pasik. The, um, the uh, Monel Ekei Kedem, that a Kashbuch was Kadmon, meaning he is first. Better than the word first is primary. And the understanding of that is we, we, we can always ask a question based on something that's first. Let me give an example. Um, if there is a law in, the, in, a, in, let's say, in a city council, a city government, or Marseille, and it contradicts a national law, the national law will take precedence over it. Because the national law came first, and this is an endowed law. So the priority is always to that which came first. I say a cloud, and I, so I have a general law in physics. I see a particular phenomenon, I'm going to ask myself, first thing I'm going to ask myself is, how could this be? If I see something floating over here, I'm not going to say, ah, there goes the law of gravity. I'm going to say, how could this be? Because the law of gravity to me is primary. It's, it's a built-in law of nature, and this is, and so on. So the way in which I can ask questions goes from the primary <coughs> down. It's one reason why in American law we have a lot of balagan, because the state's and the, and, the, and the national government, it's not, un, it's not clear who came first. The states came first. But whatever it is, that's American law. The laws, so when we ask the question, of how could a Kurdish Baruch make Kriyas it defies the laws of nature. So that's a great question. If a Kurdish Baruch had come after the laws of nature, then the question would be good. But a Kurdish Baruch was first, and he made the laws of nature, so, so I can't ask a question from the laws of nature of Baruch Hu. It's the other way around. Akash Baruch Hu set up the laws of nature, and Ben Mela, he's the master of it. Who gave us, who built us in with the inborn intuition that takes us up mind is wrong. It, no animal has that sense. Animal have it in a very mechanical way. If it sprays, uh, uh, you know, for those animals, if, it's, if they spray something, come up, the other will stay away. But there's certainly no awareness of morality. So, for this who ingrained us with morality, he's the one who created morality. So, so if a law of Torah goes against our sense of morality, it's, the question is, so under what circumstances is the so the marshal? If I kill a person with Mahal Shabbos, then I have to revise my sense of revulsion at killing to fit that reality. I can't say, well, how could Shabbos say to kill somebody? It's immoral to kill somebody. Well, Akash created that immorality. Tov, Ryan Tov, and that's what Eitzadas was. Adam Arish wanted to have that sense himself. The Nachash knew exactly what bill of goods is selling. The Nachash came to Adam and said, everything in the world you know, 
But Tovin Ra, you have to acquiesce to say, what does Hashem say? Here, eat from Eitzadas, and you'll know. And, and that's, that, that was, that's where we fell through. So, the, 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 we can never ever. We can say, um, so how do we understand when is killing right and wrong? wrong? When is taking money right and wrong? And, and so on. But it's always with the sense of it's star record, and morality is a product of that, and we have a built-in sense for that morality, but that can never be a question on a Kaddish Baruch's actions. Yeah? Does Rosh Hashiva think Torah Mada has value? Can you define Torah Mada? Yeah, the problem is when people give titles... So, let me talk about this. There are two ways to express ideas like that. If a person says they are both on equal footing, then we go back to the same square one that we're talking about of what came first. Akadosh Baruch Hu's came first, and the, and the science of the world is a product. Kabbalah explains, and it's, I mean, it's actually part of the, of the picture. I think everyone sees. Our physical world is an embodiment, it's a physical embodiment of Akadosh Baruch Hu's in, in, in a way that's necessary to realize whatever he wants us to understand and to realize. So, if a person gives them equal prominence, the answer is certainly not. If a person says we need to be able to Torah and express it and understand it and, and, and be able to function in a world where we have so much understanding, then it's, it's, it's a very valid shita. So the, it, it, there is no shita. A dual God doesn't exist. So if the Vav means and then, then yes. If it means co-operate, co-gods, we have a problem with the dual gods. So it doesn't think it really, if it's meant to say, if I understand Torah and I live Torah, there is nothing I can't express in the world and deal with the world as it is. With everything that modern science and economics, everything that does, then yes. It, that now it's similar to the It's just a different phrasing. If it's somewhere meant to mean that both of them are equally valid, I don't know what it means. Yes. Everything. Well, it's the other way around. It's. There is obviously, like rationally many times, if I understand the facts of the world, sometimes it will enlighten us in understanding, in understanding um, Torah things. More than that, it's to understand that everything in the world is an expression of something. The world is a muscle. It's just like when a person presents an abstract formula by making graph out of it. The graph helps you visualize. So as I get to this point, there's a sharp spike. And it's, it, this is the point at where it turns from a kind of regular curve. Now it's, it's, it's statistically a plenty of it. So the physical vision of it helps you. I can spoke a world with trees and with grass. Trees and grass are something. They're shade, bitsilonichia. Everything is an expression of it. The using of the world to make it a good, pleasant world to live in is part of of of, of Yeshivos Allah. There, there are a lot of ways to realize Torah value within that, and you need. And, and if Hakadosh gave us that knowledge and gave us access to that knowledge, we could make it to plenty good use. But understanding that at the end of the day, it's all about Hakadosh That's the point that I make. Yeah, last one. Good. Okay, great. Any um, how do we properly emphasize the difference between Jew and Gentile without sounding elitist or even racist? Okay. Um, we are privileged to have a ton of myths and affairs that they don't have. Um, we're not allowed to put on a light and shop so we killed for it. If, there is, if you think about it, there is not a single privilege we have as Jews, except for living in Israel, which I think a Frenchman can live in France and Chinese can live in Hong Kong, 
Mishitosa. I'm not taking and and if the Germans can live in Germany, that that the Yiddish should have a country, I can't I, I, I can't fathom that that's a special privilege. So everything is we have plenty of obligation, and anyone that wants to can join us. We have a neshama that can be responsive to Tayag mitzvahs, and if any guy thinks that he can do it, he's welcome, as long as he knows what he's getting into, and and and, he's, and it's an honest opinion. So where's the elitism? If anyone can join the club, and all the club does, it's like an elite unit in the army. <laughs> Are they elitist? Well, yeah, we kill ourselves more than anybody else. Please feel free to join us if you, if you, if you have what it takes to be us. So that's our attitude. What, what, what we would better? We're better that we expect so much more from ourselves, and you're welcome to join us if you're part of it. So, Ashreinu, Matov Hokeinu, Mamagoraleinu, and I'm very proud of it. If, if that's, you know, that, that's an elitism that I can't imagine anybody could, could, could have any problems with. Okay, it's been very special being here. It's, uh, I, I know the Shiva, well, not of the Americans, but I know there's been, there's been a lot in the in suffering. And it, while we're sitting here, there's so much tsar and so much, uh, so much. And um, the one thing we can do is make sure that the door that we build carries values that it's worth to sacrifice for that we're not just another group of people. We're Kali so. The lives we live are special. And, and the curve, the um, enlighten us both in terms of our in Ruchnius and, 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 and end the terrible Tsarist and the Tsar and, and Rez Hashem, we should see the Gulu Shleim and Thank you for the insight and the time. You already mentioned coming again next year. We hope to hold it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Silver Spring. Anybody from Silver Spring, please step forward. Hank Hank Goyle. I want a Hank Hank Goyle. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you.